And what's up, podcast people and soundtrack geniuses around the world? You're listening to The Soundcast, the official podcast of TrackSounds.com. And in this podcast, we talk all things film, television, and video game music. I am Christopher Coleman, and joining me for this very special episode is... Kristen Romnelli of FilmScore Monthly Online. I'm Eric Woods of Cinematic Sound Radio. And I'm Justin Craig of the Oasis. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I did not know that until this moment. <laughs> I know you didn't. <laughs> well, welcome, Justin of the Oasis. Uh, a special welcome to anyone from the Oasis, actually. Monday, April 2nd, 2018, and this is episode 105 of The Soundcast, where we review Alan Silvestri's original score for Ready Player One. You can find all episodes of The Soundcast at thesoundcast.com. You can also subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, TuneIn Radio, Google Podcasts, ACAST, and even on Spotify. Wherever you do listen, please give us a rating and a review. It helps us to know that you're actually listening and your comments can help us make the show even better. You can also send your feedback via email to soundcast at tracksounds.com or use our SpeakPipe widget to leave us a voicemail message if you're prone to social media you can find us at track sounds on twitter or on facebook well welcome guys uh and gal uh glad to have you back on the show uh how's everyone doing doing good fantastic okay <laughs> oh. <laughs> someone from the oasis should sound a little bit more hype than that i would think but 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 who knows? I'm just a computer-generated being. Oh, I'm AI. Okay. I am AI. You are AI. Okay. Uh, All right. so much. And this Back. is the amount of enthusiasm and emotion that I am allowed to emit. Emit or e emote? Emit, yeah. Like E-M-I-T, yeah. Emit? Okay. Emit? Emmet. Emmet to time backwards? Okay, I get it, I think. Um, <laughs> I'm tr really trying to segue this, but it's not <laughs> It's not working. Um, tonight we're going to be talking about the recently released Ready Player One, uh, the film by Steven Spielberg, which has done pretty well at the box office. Before we get into those details, for those of you who don't somehow know what Re Ready Player One is yet, um, the book itself was written in 2011. It's a science fiction novel. It was the debut novel from American author Ernest Cline, um, but the film released seven years later, just as of last week, uh, was produced and directed by one Steven Spielberg, written by Zach Penn and Ernest Cline himself, uh, based on his novel, and stars Ty Sheridan, Olivia Cook, Ben Mendelsohn, and a whole bunch of other people. Um, the film is set in the year 2045, which, uh, when much of humanity escaping the desolation of the real world uses virtual reality software Oasis to engage in work and play. Wade Watts, played by Sheridan, discovers 
clues to a hidden game within the program that promises the winner full ownership of the Oasis and joins several allies to try to compete uh, to complete the game before indentured players working for a large company run by Nolan Sorrento, played by Ben Mendelsohn, can do so. So the box office for Ready Player One uh, did pretty doggone well, $53 million as of today in the USA, and $181 million worldwide, not bad for four or five days' worth of box office. Um, on Rotten Tomatoes, the critics have given it, or 70, 76% say that it's fresh, um, and 80% of regular old users uh, have rated it uh, a good flick. On Metacritic, it's got a 64, and there aren't very many soundtrack reviews yet because the official score hasn't released just yet, but it is on Spotify. Um, and SoundtrackGeek.com was first out of the box to get his review in with a rating of 97.3 out of 100. That's a pretty good uh, score for Alan Silvestri's score. Um, so we're going to be talking about Alan Silvestri's score tonight and the film a little bit, too. Uh, we also have a, a bonus track at the end of this episode where we're going to talk about uh, National Film Score Day, which is tomorrow, uh, 4-3-18. And then we're going to take some Twitter questions that you guys kindly posted to us today. We're going to answer as many of those as we can. So let's dive into Ready Player One, people. Um, and I'll just start off by asking... What was everyone's expectations for this film? Who was a book reader previous to and who was not? And what were your expectations for this? I'll start with you, Mr. AI Oasis, Justin. I read the book uh, and I enjoyed the book for what it is. Uh, I mean, I enjoyed getting into all the, um, you know, the nostalgia and the men mentions of... Uh, uh, you know, things I love, grew up on all those Steven Spielberg movies, but more so reading, you know, what book out there that is fiction, like a science fiction book that mentions Basil Polidorus and Jerry Goldsmith and James Horner mm. and all those guys and John mm -hmm. Williams, of course, in the book, part of mm -hmm. the narrative. Was, Holy shit. That's this is incredible. Awesome. But, you know, it's it was it was just good fun. I, I read it over like a couple of days and I had I had a lot of fun. But then when I saw Spielberg was actually making it. I I was excited at first. I you know I was like this is going to be really awesome. But the more I thought about it, and you know the more movies that come out, these big type of movies that come out that aren't um, Marvel movies or superhero movies, they always fail. So I was a little bit worried that this was going to be a big flop for Steven like box Spielberg. Box office wise or quality yeah. wise or both. A little bit, well, mostly box office, but uh, quality, because I don't think Steven Spielberg has the same cachet that he used to have with these types mm. of movies. Yeah. Um, so I wasn't quite sure if he was going to be able to get everything that he wanted or still have that, you know, pull to, to make it into this massive, uh, mm -hmm. you know, extravaganza that it needed to be, and it is. Um, so I had, I, I really tempered my my expectations with this i was a little bit nervous for him in this movie that it would it would just crash and burn so i'm glad it didn't and uh, sure. i was actually very surprised when i saw the scope of the movie and how incredible the special effects were uh and how he made changes to the book that actually improved the story um mm -hmm. considerably so i had moderate expectations that were uh fulfilled that i mean they 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 exceeded my ex expectations hmm. okay 
Mm-hmm. All right. Um, Eric, what about you? What were your expectations? Yeah, I think I'm in the same boat as uh, Justin, although I didn't read the book and I still haven't. Um, so I really didn't know what I was getting into. I knew it was going to be a, a trip down nostalgia lane, but um, I didn't know what the story was about. So when I saw the film, it was all new to me and, and I had a, a really good time watching the movie. But I, you know, echo what uh, Justin had to say. I was really worried about, um, you know, another action adventure film from Steven Spielberg. And I'm not sure whether he's had a real successful one in, in many, many years. Um, even though I did like Adventures of yeah. Tintin, um, but we still had, but that didn't do very no. well. And uh, Indiana Jones 4 was a colossal failure. Yeah. So I was kind of worried, especially with him getting older and him exploring different topics, more mature topics. I think that's where he should be going with the rest of his career. I'm actually really interested in stuff like Lincoln and the Post and, and his, in, his, in his dramas, his more personal dramas. Um, but it's great to see that he can still put together one of the most amazing action sequences I think I've seen in, in a really, really long time um, in Ready Player mm-hmm. One. And so I was, um, yeah, I, I, I thought it was going to fail. Um, I, I just, I, I just don't know whether, I mean, as Justin said, whether where Steven Spielberg's name, you know, kind of holds that same type of, yeah, I've got to go to the movies to see a Steven Spielberg film. Mm-hmm. But, uh, for me, um, it was great to see a Steven Spielberg film on, on the big sure. screen. And I haven't been to a Steven Spielberg film on the big screen, I think since Indiana Jones <laughs> and, uh, the kingdom of the crystal skull. So just great to see a big old school kind of Steven Spielberg spectacle and, and, and it working and I'm really glad it succeeded. I was worried about the the March release date because um, usually his sort of blockbusters are in, you know, he's the king of the summer movie. And uh, But I'm really happy that, you know, he's going to avoid Marvel and Star Wars. Yeah. And he's going to have this time to himself here. And I, and I just really p- hope that more people go and see this just to have a fun time at the movies. And that's what it was. So it, it definitely exceeded my expectations. Okay. Kristen. I never read the book. I was reluctant to see the movie. Um, But when we were recording the episode where we talked about the theme that was released, Mm -hmm. um, Eric encouraged me to uh, (laughs) reply to my screening invitation. Um, So I went the next day. (laughs) (laughs) Why would you consider not going to a big Steven Spielberg movie? For free. I mean, <laughs> nothing. That's it. That was my question. The, the premise exactly. do, didn't excite me. I didn't read the book. Everyone, like, aside from you, who I know who read the book, hated the book. <laughs> so I was like, why would I see this? Um, but but that's, I am- you know, don't listen to me. I like everything everybody hates. <laughs> and, and I hate everything everybody loves. But... The point is, I'm 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 glad Eric. You know, I he didn't make me go, but I'm glad he made me go because I had a really good time. So expectations exceeded because I had like negative expectations. Hmm. Okay. Um, but I find it weird how polarizing this movie is. Really, even by people who liked the book have been describing the movie as like a disaster, which I'm just like, how is this a disaster? But I guess we'll get into that. Later. Yes, we will. Um, but 
does is there anything that's not polarizing anymore? I don't think there is. Um, I must I have, have only friends who liked it because I haven't seen anybody post online that I've seen that oh, yeah. disliked it. I the think movie I have or a the bunch book? Of... The movie or the book, Justin? Oh, the movie. Oh gosh. Oh, I know how. I know many, many people did not like the book for. No, I, no, there's I a have, lot of people for, who don't like the movie. I think I have for a bunch of contrarians in my Twitter timeline, but oh, and even even one of the people from Allied, the PR place, I came out and he was like, "I was disappointed." <laughs> Are you allowed to say that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's there's some pretty hard reviews out there on this film. Uh, I mean, I haven't read any harsh, of the reviews. Pretty harsh. Um, I came in with fairly modest expectations um after the bfg which i couldn't even finish uh i just didn't know what spielberg was going to deliver here and so i was very very apprehensive but you know i went to see it on friday and man i was it 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 far exceeded my expectations um I, very entertaining. I had a lot of fun. There is, I definitely have some problems with it, some pretty significant ones, but, but it, it exceeded my expectations for sure. I did not read the book. I am kind of curious to read the book because it, it seems like from what I hear, there's fairly significant changes, um, from book to, to movie. Uh, so I'm kind of, curious as to what those are so perhaps i'll read that in the the near future um but yeah it was i went in pretty modest expectations and it exceeded those so Um, so now we can get into more of our general thoughts about the film. Um, Christian, what did you think? What were your general thoughts uh, after after seeing the film? No spoilers in this particular section. I was grinning. Um, I was super happy that I was encouraged to see it, even though I went in like, uh, I am not sure I really want to do this. And I was like, running late on my way to see it. So mm-hmm. I was like, why am I even doing this? You know, I was like, I was pretty grouchy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but it was, oh, it was so darn fun. It was, it, it had a very classic 80s structure um, that appealed to me without being completely obvious. Mm-hmm. Um you know that that kids versus evil corporation flick. I mm-hmm. I I love that. You know the the type of type of movie where a good old fashioned crotch kick can save the day, <laughs> I, like like Goonies or something. <laughs> so, Very true. I, I I thought it was delightful. Um, okay. Yeah, it was just lighthearted fun. I I don't see how it could be a disaster because it was just it may be fluff but i mean goddamn if i don't like a fluffer nutter <laughs> well that's one thing if you're going to eat it it's another thing if mm. if uh, you're doing something else with it um i kind of <laughs> i kind i kind of agree with you on several points i guess 
I, and I think everyone's going to be, well, I think everyone can agree that it was a very fun, fun film. And you can't always say that uh, these days. Um, the tone of it was, was, was great. And it was just, it was just fun. Um, but my best description of it is that it was all icing, uh, really, really good icing, but that's it. And I mean, when I left the theater, I was thinking, I wasn't thinking about the messages of the film. I wasn't thinking about the characters of the film, like them, not like them. I was just thinking about, now, what did I see in there? Which things did I see? What did I pick up on? Oh, this part was kind of cool. This kind of, I think I saw this. I think I heard that. Um, and, you know, that's it. You know, kind of just like the, oh, remember the part when they did this? You know, when you were a kid, you say, oh, and this part when they did that. Kind of some of that, but but that's it. Um, it, there was no, it was almost zero below the surface for me to, to, to take away from it. And, and I was a little disappointed with that. I didn't expect there to be some great, um, well, no, I did expect some decent characterization from, from Spielberg, but for me there, there wasn't. So it was a little mixed bag in, in that, in that way for me, but I did have a great time and, um, I can't always say that about films these days so i appreciate that part eric what about you yeah it was just a good old-fashioned popcorn film for me um i checked my brain at the door not like you know when you go to see a transformers film but i just kind of knew that I, I really didn't have to think very hard with this one but i i knew i was gonna i was at least i was hoping i was gonna have a good time and that you know things were gonna make me smile and i was gonna i was just gonna enjoy myself and and as i got into the movie, um, the last thing I was actually thinking about was kind of the nostalgic trip that I was I was going mm. on. Um, I was I was just kind of captivated. I think until they said, um, you know, when they introduced the Oasis, and I think there was like, hey, you can hang out with Batman. I'm like, oh yeah, right. This is you know, you can you can hang out with some of your favorite characters. But I was just kind of like interested in in the worlds, and it, it kind of reminded me of like a mix of like Lego Movie meets uh, Big Hero Six. Mm. And, and that sort of film. And so I was just kind of interested in the world building. And I was just so excited uh, with that aspect of it. And, of course, I was interested in, in you know, what characters they were going to use and yeah. what places they might introduce from other movies. But it that, for me, when I got deeper into the movie, wasn't necessarily the, the focus of the film. And, and, and I kind of liked that because you didn't really have to. I mean, eventually we are going to go frame by frame and watch this movie and see, you know, what little <laughs> bits and pieces that we were missing. But I think the things that needed to be shown were shown. And, and I mean, look, I got giddy when I saw the DeLorean and that whole race. Yeah. And it was just like, wow, I'm getting to see the DeLorean again on, on the main screen. I felt and like and they it really is a, a character. Well, yeah, I just like the way that it incorporated. With it. No, but it, it, but I mean, even the cool little stunt it did, right? All of a sudden it was, you know, it was the future um, DeLorean from part two and it was able to skid underneath the, the truck or whatever. And I'm like, wow, they're really incorporating things from all the movies here. And, uh, but I mean, not all the vehicles were, were from something, you know, they, they were, you know, sometimes where they're just normal vehicles or whatnot. But I mean, there was a, you know, we were paying attention to the, the light cycle from, from Tron and Bigfoot and DeLorean. And then it was like, I didn't really care if I saw, let's say the Batmobile or whatever. Right. I was just like, I was so into that race. And the Batmobile was at a West era. Right. And that, and that was so awesome. (laughs) But I mean, I was also, um, really impressed. And this is one thing that was on my mind when I saw the trailers. I'm like, is the CGI going to be like, is it going to be distracting in a bad Mm -hmm. 
And then of course I realized you're in the Oasis yeah. and the Oasis looks like yeah. that. And so that, they had you a know, built in excuse. Can, yeah. And then it's it was like, smart. all of a sudden that race became exciting because for me, one of the worst things in movies these days is seeing CGI car chases yeah. and car crashes. Cause it just doesn't, it doesn't work for me, but for this yeah, perfect. The way they set it up, the sound, everything else, I just kept on thinking, Oh my God, now they're bringing in, you know, like the steel balls and Oh no, here's a jump. Right. And Oh, there's a T-Rex. And I'm like, Oh my God, this is the craziest thing ever. And I was in mm. Spielberg sucked me in. And at that point I was like, Let's just go for this ride and have a good time. And I sewed it. Okay. Because it's in the context of a game, the CG becomes less of an issue. Yeah, exactly. You're, right. you're in a virtual world. And yeah. you're like, okay, right. it can look sort of cartoony. Because yeah. Cause know, it is. It's a game. And I didn't want to accept that at first when I saw the trailers. But then I'm like, hey, you know what? It was yeah. perfect. Yeah. I like the CG in this. And I usually get turned off by too much of it the mm -hmm. only thing that i didn't like about the cg is is the shot it's in the trailer it's the and it's the first time you see wade putting on that oasis headset and it transitions from oh yeah uh, that side view it's of like his a face. digital it's like a digital pan yeah, yeah you can definitely yeah. tell oh that. it's okay. really bad yeah it's not that it's very distracting but mm -hmm. other than that the cg in in this movie was top top notch first rate yeah what else did you think about the, the generally think about the film? I mean, I, I like y'all said, I thought this was so much fun and I was grinning from beginning to end. And um, I mean, there was it was overwhelming. There was just so many things being thrown at you. So it was yes. hard to, to catch all those Easter eggs and stuff. Yeah. Um, but, you know, when I did catch him, I was like, oh, that's so cool. That's great. Um, but it was a very shallow movie. So it was tough to turn my brain off because I can't watch a movie anymore without trying to dissect it while I'm watching sure. it. Sure. And <clears throat> that's not what this movie is supposed to be. So I had to I had to kind of like force myself to stop and just sit back and be a kid again and and enjoy enjoy it for that. And once I got into that, it took me a couple minutes, maybe, you know, 20 minutes into the movie. And then I, then I got into the groove of it and I was like, okay, I like this and I'm happy being here in this world. But, um, you know, it was, it, it is structured like an eighties movie, which is, which is great. And, uh, but with that comes a little bit of a shallowness movies, you know, these big action movies today have a little bit more depth to them. Mm -hmm. uh with characters and such uh this movie you know touched on everything at very very surface level uh compared to other you know blockbusters uh around now so that was my only kind of complaint about it is just that it tried but didn't try hard enough to actually yeah. create any kind of you know character you know like character depth or anything mm -hmm. like that and uh like even the the villains the uh ioi oh. the corporation yeah. they they just said oh that corporation's bad but they didn't don't let them take control of the oasis but they don't actually say why yeah i was like okay why what are they going to do yeah <laughs> what happens if they take control well i think well, they're, 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 they're supposed to just be like okay they're adults and they're bad guys kind of they, like no, they kind Don't of implied they, they, they sort of they introduced him wanting to do tiered levels yeah. of access they want to make people pay oh you know neutrality okay. thing mm. that we're dealing with now Vaguely. and yeah, <clears throat> um yeah yes. I, I think they established they, his intentions pretty yeah well. they did I have to admit that Ben Mendelsohn playing that role, I'm just really burnt out of that. It's just like, 
I'm just tired of seeing him play that. <laughs> I role. love Ben Mendelsohn. I love him, but it. he's he play, he's just that same dude. He's just the bad guy. That's not his fault. Sure, it is. Uh, he yeah, accepted he the part. Fault. No one held a gun he to his head. He has such a smarmy face, so he's perfect for nah, an 80s just tired of that bad just guy. Tired of seeing him be Krennic in this, and then well, he, he was, did this twice. He did it in this, and, and then he did it in Rogue One. Dark Knight Rises is just like oh, he was just a sleazy lawyer dude. Yeah, same, same to me. Same, same characteristics. I found, and it just put me off. It's like I'm tired of him being that. He is so brilliant on that show Bloodline on Netflix, though. Yeah, I don't watch that. Oh, um, you got to see it for him. That first season, he is. You will, your mind will be changed, and you I'm, will want to watch him. He's not a everything. bad actor. I'm saying I don't like him doing I know, that it's, role. It's the characters, and yeah, I I just mean, it was distracting to me characters. because it's the, <laughs> it's the same guy. Um, and I don't, and I was not able to get beyond the distraction. The distraction I had was because I didn't invest in the characters much. I was just trying to see as much as I could. I found myself just like, okay, what is it? What's in the back there? What's I, that's what I was doing most of the time. I was like, okay, who's that? Where's over there? Is that a reference to this? Was that? And so my mind was just like flying all over the place and just trying to pull out references as much as I could, which was kind of fun, but also I'm like, oh yeah, I need to be paying attention to what they're saying and where they're going, what they're doing. Um, so it was a weird kind of distraction because you know there's stuff everywhere in that film. And it's just going, you know, I want to see it again, mostly just because I want to pick up more stuff. Um, I found that the mo- probably the funnest part was just finding little things here and there. So, and I know that's not the intent of the film for, for people to be doing that, but that's, that's what I found myself doing probably too much of. Um, all right, let's move on to our general thoughts about the score itself. Um, what did you guys think about Alan Silvestri's score here? This was this was a pretty highly anticipated uh, work from him, given that, one, he was working with St- Spielberg, um, and he is a definite part of the era that this movie rever- references, references. Not only references, but reverences so much the eighties. Um, reveres, yeah, reveres. That's the word. Um, uh, reveres so much. So, where, what, are, what were you guys' thoughts of the f- score itself going in? Were you excited about it? Were you? Did you have apprehensions because it wasn't John Williams? What did you think, Kristen? Well, as I said earlier, it was that hearing the main title. <laughs> that made me go, God damn, now I have to see this. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I thought it would be, I, and I said during the podcast, I thought it would be Sylvester does Amblin, but it turned out to be Sylvester doing an homage to 80s Zemeckis Sylvester. Mm-hmm. And I was still down for that. Mm-hmm. I, I was making notes all over the place with like every little nuance that I heard and it's it's a lot of fun for the '80s Sylvester fan. Oh, for sure. Um, at first, I thought it was undermixed, 
But then it turned out the theater hadn't turned on the surround sound system oh. during the first scenes. Okay. So I found that out afterwards. Because huh? um, it, it ended up being normal. So I thought the first few scenes were undermixed, like, but I guess that was because uh, our theater was How can you not turn terrible. those speakers on? Like, I uh, don't know. When why did you, you turn ask them off? the AMC Lowe's Boston <laughs> Common? Why didn't you turn it on? What, why would you ever turn them off? That doesn't make any sense. <laughs> bizarre <laughs> so yeah I, I was there and i could hardly hear the music for like the oasis part and i was like oh, i really want to hear this and it's like so far beneath the dialogue mm. but i hate they, that they i had bad it. mixes oh it wasn't yeah, a mix they, but it wasn't it wasn't a mix issue it was it was a presentation issue yeah um what do you think of the score in general terms eric I absolutely loved it, and um, I, uh, you know, and I was worried, just like Kristen was, that um, the music was going to be mixed really low because when Van Halen popped up at the beginning, I'm like, oh no, this is a really low music mix. Mm -hmm. And then I realized that, and I'm not sure if this is done on purpose or not, the score got a better mix in the songs, and it was really present and. And and really helped tell this story, and I think, I I mean I can't remember the last time Sylvester wrote such a a cohesive action score, and it was just the main theme is so memorable. Mm -hmm. It's so great. It, he 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 works off it so well. The variations of the theme are fantastic. Uh, the the action music is just so. It's so well composed. It's so clean. It's not as busy as some of the other Sylvester-y action cues we've heard in the past 10 years. Very clear writing. And it's also great to finally have a Dennis Sands recording in a Steven Spielberg movie. It just, it just, there's so, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, a, the recording engineer means so much to me. Mm -hmm. And I love Dennis Sands' work. And he just, he just records bright, punchy scores. And it works so great in Spielberg movies and I wish everybody would, would, would use them. And so, uh, it's one of my favorite scores of the year and I know we're really early, but it's just, I want to go back to it time and time again. Um, like, uh, you know, Kristen said great cameos and, and references back to the old school Sylvester. Mm -hmm. You're right. This was definitely a Sylvester score. However, I did hear hints here and there of kind of Williams esque writing, especially the, the, the big brass fanfares, I thought there was great use of electronics in this, um, but just too. oh oh god, there's some great yeah. just woodwind writing too. Oh, absolutely! So classic '80s. It's classic '80s. I I absolutely loved it, and and I and I love revisiting it. I've been listening to it almost nonstop, and it's just uh, an absolute delight. So um, I'm I'm glad Sylvester was the best choice. You know, during that um, Soundcast Six episode, we were discussing whether we thought that main title theme would actually be a main theme, and mm -hmm. we weren't so sure. Yeah. Right. I'm so yeah. happy with the treatment of that. Oh yeah. And how it totally. turned into sort of like a victory fanfare yeah. for every key that was unlocked. It yeah. was <laughs> wasn't that great? I yeah. loved that. It, it was I mean, so it good. worked like a video game, and it worked like a yeah. movie. It was cool. Yeah. True. <laughs> Yeah. True. Justin, what, what did you think about the score? I really liked it, and I thought Alan Silvestri was a great choice to do this film in place of John Williams. Um, but what I 
and I liked his themes, um, some more than others. I know you guys really like that main theme, and I like the main theme too. But I like it when it's used in like an action motif type of variation. Mm-hmm. When mm-hmm. it's just that kind of, um, you know, major key noble type thing, it reminds me of like a college graduation music, and I can't <laughs> stop thinking of it that way. And yeah. it's becoming yeah. very irritating when I hear it because I'm thinking of people walking down. You know, graduating and getting their diplomas. Yeah. I was like, it stop does that. Have that triumphant feel. I don't. Yeah. I, it just sounds. It doesn't sound right for what this movie is. But then, as it you know becomes different variations, um, then I like it very much. Um, but I thought the the narrative structure of the score was a little bit all over the place. I like it starts out with that oasis piece of music, which sounds yeah. like that. Adiamis, kind of, Adimus, is that what it is? It, that yeah, kind of like from the late nineties. Yeah, that's. Uh-huh. I was wondering if they tra- attempt track that piece, but then I'm that's sure it. You they hear did. it for like a minute and then it goes away. And yeah. Actually, when it odd. came in on in the film, I was like, "Is that Silvestri or is that some <laughs> tracked in music?" I was like, "That doesn't yeah. sound like Silvestri," and then it never came back. So I was yeah, surprised was when I listened to the soundtrack that it, that the first track on the CD on the soundtrack yep. is is that so that's him but it didn't go anywhere it didn't come back and i was disappointed because i liked it i was like well why do that and then not revisit it if it's music for the oasis and 75 percent of the movie is in the yeah. oasis why not make an oasis theme yeah uh, true. so that didn't happen um but i liked how like i said they used that main theme throughout and the variations on that but my favorite theme was uh, it didn't show up until I have to and there's no way to say it without spoiling it but when they beep anyway <laughs> so when that kind of motif shows up then it hadn't been heard before and it is a really kick ass awesome theme and it comes back a little bit throughout the end rest of the end of the film um, and then it and it closes out the end credits that way too but I was like damn why not use that earlier so it's just um, the structure of it I uh, I just thought could have been improved hmm. um, okay but like like Eric said the, the action writing is really cr- uh, crisp and clean and that's something you don't really hear uh, anymore with with these types of films even from Silvestri like Eric said I I haven't really loved his work in a while since the early 2000s I think the last score of his that really did something for me was The Mummy Returns after that Mm. it seemed to have gone a little bit downhill Uh, wow. Oh, and speaking of the Mummy Returns, in like early in the score, it gets into that little kind of uh, desert uh, mummy type music um, that sounded just like right out of Mummy Returns. I think it was one of the Halliday scenes in the beginning, hmm. and I was like, "What the hell is this? That's so awesome!" But that that didn't go anywhere or come back. Yeah. Um, yeah, but the writing was great and and the sound was fantastic and uh, this is definitely Alan Silvestri's best best score for me in almost twenty years. I mean, wow. since the early two thousands. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I, I tend to agree with everyone. Um, I think it's Silvestri's best in in quite some time. I agree with a lot of things you guys are saying. Um, love his use of the main theme, the way he incorporate incorporates it throughout and the different variations of it or orchestrations of it, I think are really make it, 
it's not just the same presentation over and over and over again. It's used so many different ways throughout, which makes it that much more memorable. Um, I love a lot of the suspense action kind of stuff because he does a lot of the uh, things he did in Contact, which I really love that score a lot. And so hearing those very similar like string runs and the way he uses brass in it, some of those low brass notes building up that tension it just I loved that and wasn't expecting that really I wasn't expecting to hear you know late 90s um, Silvestri in there so I enjoyed that it was a surprise and so I enjoyed that quite a bit what it's not on the score but in terms of the soundtrack I am I'm out on the soundtrack um, I don't know if this affected you guys or bothered you at all but the first I don't know 15 minutes is all just 80s on the nose uh, songs that it was just it was it was it was so on the nose everything every song they picked at least in that opening 15 to 20 minutes before we heard any score was just it bothered me that it was so on the nose it didn't have the care uh the selection process that that they've used like for the guardians of the galaxy at least the first one They didn't pick songs that were right on the note. I mean, the first, you know, it's jump. He jumps out of bed. I, they, go, they go through that song. They sh- there's a there's a verse in there where he's talking about someone boxing something. They show the woman boxing, and I'm like, really? Are we just gonna hit every single beat of every verse? It was just too on the nose for me, and that and I thought there could have been some subtlety there. Picking some songs that weren't like number one hits uh, every year of the '80s. They could have picked some little a little more. I don't know, just ones that were still clearly from the 80s, but not just the most obvious ones possible. Uh, So that bugged me. I feel like by 2045, a nostalgia for the 80s will be very surface level, especially for somebody of the main character's age. So I'm, I'm not sure if the deep cuts would really survive. Oh sure they will. Culture. I mean, the only way it would is if, um, uh, sorry, what's his name? The creator. Halliday. Oasis. Halliday. The whole point was that you know you're immersed not not so much in '80s culture, but it's what Halliday. Yeah. It's his '80s. So if he did, hold on. So if he did like deep cuts, you would definitely be listening to those deep cuts. Hold on, we're talking about. We're not in the Oasis yet. We're talking about those. Oh no, no, no! I understand that, but you're talking about uh, the songs as a storytelling device. And so if 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 you're thinking about you know using too many hits and too many on the nose um, songs, and then you know Kristen is talking about oh I don't know about you know using too many deep cuts because nobody's going to really remember it. I think that if you're thinking about it from a storytelling aspect as if you're like quentin tarantino or martin scorsese you're going to find the best song that is going to help tell your story without again being too obvious and if it happens to be kind of like a b-side from aha then so be it but it still is it will be relatable to the story and to what halliday is i guess offering to his participants of the so i don't get what you're saying are you saying that the score the song selections were good or not good. I, I feel like there's I, a honestly, as long as there the was fandom. no rush, I was okay with it. I feel like there's a shallowness to his fandom, and therefore I'm okay with the obvious '80s songs. Hmm. They were the I most cliched part of the movie. Yeah, I didn't need them honestly. Like they, they could didn't have been need to be thrown there. out. And I mean, for goodness' sake, when there. when he does his announcement, he's in a 
photon torpedo <laughs> with the full Federation, yeah. you know, yeah. right. Star Trek funeral thing. So it's very surface level, stereotypical nerd fandom Mm -hmm. so So i feel like if you're going for that very obvious (laughs) nerdiness you would go for the obvious thing i mean there wasn't there wasn't any depth to his pop culture love there i might be in the minority here but nothing in the movie to me felt and I'm not, I don't mean the score, I exclude the score, but I don't think anything in the movie felt 80s to me because the sea, no. the, the Oasis was all super futuristic. Sure. And then the mm-hmm. real world stuff was, you know, looked like saving Private Ryan. Um, <laughs> uh, so I think it was really the only way for that he knew how to hit somebody in the face that this is 80s, even though nothing else really felt. 80s sure there may have been like an 80s character on the screen but nothing felt like the environment 80s 80s. yeah the environments were not 80s hit people over the head with it so the songs did bother you guys sounds like it did on some i rolled my eyes when they they came on they didn't really register is that is that a positive thing (laughs) that they didn't register it doesn't sound like it's a good thing oh it doesn't it honestly it it they're inoffensive. It's yeah. it yeah, they just they were there and and it didn't it didn't bother okay. me and I didn't go, Oh, that shouldn't be there. It just I guess maybe if they But tried you just harder, said that you could have taken them out and it wouldn't have mattered. No, it doesn't matter. So but I'm not I'm not angry about it. They're there and but they don't really they don't really tell help tell the story. Yeah, that sounds and, like a negative like, comment. They're, to they're, me. They're, <laughs> no, but it's it's not it's not like hey take it out it's like or you know like I I, I just wish they tried a little harder but it but it, it didn't offend me it wasn't like I'm not going to see that movie again because the song sucked it's like if well, they no, put Russian yeah, that I'm not going to see that movie again because they put Russian it wasn't very it just wasn't very effective I'm not saying I'm not going to see no it, it wasn't again. it wasn't effective but it, it's not it's not like. It's, Eric's just I'm, glad that Getty Lee's voice is in the movie. Yeah. You know, I think oh Rush God, I was know. a when, part when of the you, book. When you told me that, I was so happy to buy a ticket. <laughs> I don't remember, <laughs> but I think Rush may have been a a part of the book. Oh, really? Probably. Well, they were part of a trailer. Yeah, they were part of the oh, trailer. Oh, but, sure. but they no, were definitely I, not in the movie. <laughs> no, thank God. Um, but it was just, it, they were... I I'm, I guess they were setting the tone and the atmosphere of sure. uh, the songs of and just kind of get you in. But it, again, it was it was nothing. It, I would I didn't I didn't like it. I didn't hate it. Just kind of in the middle. And I'm like, meh. Yeah. My, so my only point was that I th- I'm not looking for a deep cut. I'm just like they could have picked a number two uh, song. Well, that, they don't right, all have to be right. number one hits. Sure. You know. I mean, sure. show a little bit of savvy in your selection. I think if they had picked a little bit more diversity, I'm shocked there wasn't any like. Run DMC, oh, in there some hip hop or or, you know what I mean. But I no, and that and that's, of course not. I mean there was, <laughs> I mean there saying. was there were minorities in it, so they could have, but they could have. But then of course that'd been maybe no, cliche. But I'm just saying that if if, if if that song white fandom, it's... right? Exactly, exactly. But I'm just saying that if you're gonna if you're gonna throw these songs in, and I mean look if they're playing on the radio or whatever, that's fine. Yeah, I just really appreciate it again. Like the Tarantinos and Scorseses of the world that actually make the songs part of the narrative, and they are so 
important and they are chosen for a reason. That's that's art. Sure. I'm and, agreeing with you. And and that's a good music supervisor. I'm agreeing with you. This one was just let's throw I mean I jump didn't bother me and it being so kind of on the nose with you know I get up and all this sort of stuff it it didn't bother me but um but nothing just nothing helped tell the story. Yeah. And so yeah. um yeah, I I mark it down for again, those just repeating reasons. what I said before. I think they but they just they could they have could gone have in better. a little they could have done better. They could have done and, better. And I, yes. and, I, and I found it distracting that they didn't do better because they have models. Okay. And it didn't distract okay. me. Yeah, it, it it bothered me. Well, mostly because it took so long for score to show up. And I'm like, you keep playing me these songs that, you know, they're the most common 80 songs ever. And there's no score yet. It's like, let's get to let's get to that. Let's talk. Let's go spoiler free uh, on both film and score. Uh, Justin, I'm going to come back to you because there was something that you quasi brought up already uh, that was somewhat spoilerish. Uh, let's go back there regarding the score. I think it was a, a piece that you particularly enjoyed. Now you can go full on spoilery as much as you like. That's the setup. I like the signing shining sequence. That's no, no, not a, that one. But you can talk about that too. No, you're talking about a a, a piece, a theme, oh, music, music, music. Yeah, I okay, mean either yeah. one's fine. But that's yeah, what so I was the, to. my favorite piece of music in the film or theme was uh, when they blew up um, Mechagodzilla, and uh, that kind of that theme, I guess, started to become associated with uh, Parsifal um, mm-hmm. from there on out. But that character is in the movie, you know, the whole movie up until then. And you don't hear any of that music. So it's like, why that theme there then mm. uh, and not earlier? Because it's such a great kick-ass theme. Uh, mm. And um, it has this kind of swashbuckling. Because he does, it's the first time he does something heroic. Is that why? Like, that's his first real hero moment? But the Mecha Godzilla. Yeah. I mean, he does the whenever he wins the race, the ones that race. Uh, yeah, but that, I'm talking. I'm talking about being like when he wins the race, right? It's the but it's, Parsifal's the the woman. It's, it's not the Oasis theme, but it's the main theme of of Ready Player. Yeah, it's, it's the main theme. That's his theme. I mean, I guess that did he be, blow up Mechagodzilla? See, I don't remember who it was. That was so chaotic. No. See, I don't know. I, I don't thought he did. He did. I thought he helped out. Did he not? I think Gundam didn't. The Gundam like, Gundam take guy it out? did. He? Yeah, I think so. Was that his theme then? I don't know. No, because I don't know. Maybe it just became that. High, that's what they call themselves, the high five, I think. Uh, yeah. stupid yes. name, and um, <laughs> maybe it was that that became the theme for, for all of them. Who knows? Maybe, but, um, maybe. that would make more sense, but that wasn't really presented or explained like the mm. fellowship gathering, right. and then they get a theme, right? Um, and anyway, well, it, so that's the that's the that's uh, the thing you were that's the theme about. that I really liked uh, more so than any other theme in the film. Oh, interesting. Okay, yeah, it kind of reminds me of like the Manta Squadron theme from Sky Captain, which I think yeah. is a better theme yeah. than the Sky Captain theme itself. I can't remember that. Theme. Um, it had a swashbuckling type of thing feel to it, and yeah, I missed that yeah, type of stuff. So Everything good. is so very, you know, fanfarish and anthemic these days that it's good to hear what? something a little bit swashbuckling. Everything's fanfarish these days. 
Yeah, every you know, uh, you know, every oh. superhero has their own kind of fanfare and anthem, and that's Not it. In and the then DC world, type, they don't. Yeah, well, that's uh, <laughs> that doesn't really exist now, does it? <laughs> no one has a fanfare in that in that universe. <laughs> Um, well, let's talk about the big scene that I don't think anyone saw coming, uh, and that is the the shining. Uh, for me, Yay. that came out of nowhere, and I'm like, how far are they going to go with this? And they don't went, go to the elevator. <laughs> they went pretty <laughs> far, and I was like, wow, this. I mean, it was PG thirteen, I think. Right? There's a few. You know, Swear words are different sorts, it's, but I it's PG here. Really? Yeah. That's that's bad. Cause and I guaranteed my daughter before going to see it that there was gonna be nothing oh, scary. No. Oh no. Come on, Jaws is PG. Well, that was before <laughs> PG thirteen. Well, back in nineteen seventy five, yes. That's PG back right. then. <laughs> this, Remember, this rating is an homage to that. <laughs> 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 you know nice. what? You're right. That's exactly what I was thinking nice. too. Yeah, <laughs> I'm. I'm. Sh- it's, it's true. I I'm, was. I was thinking, what is this rated? And is this a joke? <laughs> I mean, I thought when I was there, they're just okay. They're just going to be in there, and then it'll be they'll be in and out. Nothing's really going to happen. But wow, a lot happened. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it did. Yep. I mean, it just went full horror. It just went full. Mm-hmm. Yep. And. Mm-hmm. and they I whipped out was... the Wendy Carlos. They whipped out the Penderecki. Yeah. yeah, they sure yeah. did. I mean, that was brilliantly yeah. executed, but I was just in such shock that it was there. Uh, I was looking at the elevators, and my daughter's just just terrified. I'm like, please, don't, <laughs> please don't bring on the blood. And I had to tell her it was just a Jello from the slow mo guys that we had recently watched because they I don't know if you oh, yeah. follow the slow mo yeah. guys on YouTube, but anyway, they they tried to. Uh, create the largest jello mold ever and it didn't work and it just kind of like when they i don't know they and it just spilled all over the place and it looked like lots of red blood so i had to lean over i go it's just jello oh but i can't believe they did the blood of the yeah. elevator i can't believe they went to room three <laughs> two three seven i'm just like oh please don't oh, please don't pan over to the mirror please don't plan over the mirror i'm like oh my god they went to the mirror when they closed the door just, and it said two three seven the yeah. entire theater I was like i was like oh no <laughs> <laughs> But it was, like you said, it was so well executed. I mean, I, I don't know how they did it, but it was so good. Yeah. So good. The way they integrated our new characters right into that movie. Yeah. That was probably the easiest movie funny. that they could have chosen because there's so many shots with no people in it that they could just That's ins- true. insert true. somebody in. That's a good point. Yeah. That's a very yeah. good point. But it's just so good. <laughs> so, And even Spielberg's camera moves yeah. matched oh, yeah. um, Kubrick's. And I was like, wow, what a... What a wonderful love letter to that movie. But you're right. Who saw that? No one. Oh, that was the, and the theater. And all movies, too, to choose. The, the theater, went when right. they went to that shot of the elevators and the little girls, I mean, there was just an audible gasp. I, everyone <laughs> gasped. Like, and this oh, is, boy. so in the book, they go into a movie, but it's war uh-huh. games. So it went from war games to right. The Shining. Oh, my gosh. Wow. And just, that shocks me that Who Spielberg that would decision? do that. I love that decision. I Whatever screwed up person... You know, thought of that <laughs> yes. is a genius, yes. and I want to go meet that person. Indeed, I, I, uh, I have. I, I have a question. Wasn't Kubrick supposed to be the director on AI yeah. before he yes. passed? Yes. Yeah, correct. Okay, yeah. so 
yeah, I feel like, especially considering that this kind of works as an homage from Spielberg to Could Kubrick. Be, for yeah. sure. I mean, I, I feel like that change was something he would have definitely had a say in. Yeah. Probably. Oh, wouldn't sure. it be hilarious though if it was like Kubrick land? Oh, that would have <laughs> like, been hilarious. Oh, <laughs> oh my crazy. god! I mean, that's a lot of work, but for sure. uh, I think that would have been pretty. Cool, that but, would yeah. be. And then it could have ended at <laughs> the uh, orgy scene from Eyes Wide Shut. <laughs> oh exactly. gosh! Hello, kids. And, and it's, it's still PG. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it would still be PG because nothing matters yeah. anymore. That's right. It doesn't, guys. Everything no, they, is just right. screwed nothing matters. up now. So here's eyes wide shut. Yep. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, thank goodness the ballroom scene wasn't that. Artemis is having some trouble trying to communicate to his new girlfriend. So here's eyes wide shut. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was it was well done. It was a big big surprise, which I love surprises. Um, and that's part of, you know, I was thinking about it because I did think about that particular inclusion a lot afterwards. And that's part of the, uh, a good part of nostalgia is, is the surprise factor of nostalgia. Now we went into this movie knowing there was going to be countless references, but the, part of the fun of it is it is being surprised at what they reference. Um, and no one saw that coming. And so I'm glad they didn't put it in the trailers or anything like that. But that's part of the fun of nostalgia. It's like, oh, yeah. I had no idea that was coming. I know what that is. I love that. I remember that. To take away the surprise element takes a little bit out. Um, I hope people go see The Shining to like watch The Shining at home. Oh, I'm sure. This. Oh, especially, my son wants to see it. Especially if they he, haven't seen it. That yeah. movie holds up oh, so sure. well. Totally. I, it is one of the scariest movies ever. Yeah. Sure. Um, I, I played that for uh, for my 30th birthday party. I, I rented out a movie theater, and that was one of the movies that I played in the marathon. Excellent. Oh, wow. And that came on, uh, I think it was close to the midnight showtime that I had. Mm-hmm. And in a creaky old theater at night, <laughs> holy moly. Well, you could have had some fun with your guests there in the oh. dark. You could have done some pretty <laughs> torturous things. <laughs> yeah, that, that movie is definitely still very scary. Yeah, yeah. Well, let's talk about some of our pay- favorite pieces. We've mentioned some already from the score. Um, let's just knock out a few that uh, that stood out to you uh, when watching the film or, or listening to it uh, as a standalone. Um, Justin, which which ones stand out for you? Uh, <clears throat> well, definitely uh, King Kong during the uh, car chase. Yes, um, that was great. And it wasn't uh, it wasn't like they just tracked in. You know, King Kong music. Right. No, Sylvester actually, it. you know, arranged in something within his his action piece, which was so cool. Yep. Uh, then at the end of the film, uh, again with the the battle with Mechagodzilla, that whole sequence I loved. That I really, you know, sat up during that that mm-hmm. scene and was really paying attention to the score, the action music, particularly um, more so than anything else in the movie. I was like, this is some really well-executed action writing in that scene mm-hmm. specifically. Uh, and so, you know, the Godzilla theme showed up there, which was so cool. And mm-hmm. another one that's just like, wow, like of all things, like The Shining is like all things to bring back Godzilla's, the Godzilla March is in a movie that everybody is going to be seeing now. This is incredible. Mm-hmm. Um mm-hmm. So yeah, and then of course the other ones, which I'll let you guys talk to, which were 
uh, just as awesome. Okay, you know, question. I was surprised because that T-Rex to me was the only self-reference that I think Spielberg did. I assumed yeah, it was the T-Rex so. from Jurassic Park, mm-hmm. but no Jurassic mm-hmm. Park. Thing. I don't know how you would have worked from it We're into- Back, a dinosaur story. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been awful. I thought um, it was from before time. I don't know how you would have worked the was... Jurassic Park theme into that action sequence. You couldn't, unless it, ha- it was the- had to be the, Unless it was like the, be an action piece. the raptor motif. Yeah, it had to be an action piece from- from Jurassic Park, but I was look, I was listening. I was like, it's got to be there somewhere, but nothing, yeah. but nothing. No. Um, Eric, what about you? Or some of your standout pieces from the score? I uh, nearly stood up out of my seat when he uh, won the race, the first race. Hmm. And, uh, you know, he's doing all those wheelies with the DeLorean and uh, the main themes playing and you see the instruments kind of playing along oh, yeah. uh off to the left hand side of the screen and it, it just seemed like something out of um out of the polar express <laughs> another sylvester <laughs> score it just seemed like something like that yeah and it was just so it was it was just made for film music fans that it was just so awesome the, the scores blaring the main theme in this heroic fanfare the delorean's doing wheelies and it was uh that's just that's why you go to the movies. Um, it, just like I said, big grin on my face, and 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 that movie had a hold of me right there. Um, I also loved a little bit of the kind of the Sylvester cameos, not necessarily the obvious ones. Um, and I'll let someone else uh, pick that one. But it was there was a there was a point in the movie, um, and I don't know where it happened, but I, I listened to the score recently. And there's a a piece that comes directly from the clock yes, tower sequence. Looking for a truck when. Uh, it, yeah, and or no, not looking for a truck. It's um, it's from the track. Uh, this is wrong, and oh, it's in looking for about, a truck too. Oh, is yeah. it? Because there's a there's a moment where uh, you know when Doc Brown is looking at his watch and he's like, "Damn, damn, where's that yep. kid?" Damn, damn, damn. And there's uh, right, and then there's that little motif there as as Sylvester builds up to the dams, and it's in that track. Yeah. And I thought, and I can't remember where it is in the movie, but I mean, again, just a. Just a, a neat quote, and, and as Justin was saying, um, you know how he quoted, uh, you know King Kong and Godzilla and, and Back to the Future, but it felt organic. Mm-hmm. It didn't felt didn't feel just kind of placed in Correct. there. It, it works within the context of the score, and it works with the orchestration. See, it, and this is the issue that I had. I mean, I'm kind of going off on a tangent with what Giacchino did with with Jurassic World, where Williams's themes just seemed tacked exactly on. Exactly right. Where here. Sylvester really wove it into yeah. into his score for this, and it and it worked seamlessly. It didn't. It, it stood out, but not kind of like you know, like a sore thumb. It was just absolutely yeah. perfect and seamless. wonderfully orchestrated yeah. for that. Yeah, like, seamless for that for that particular cue, and that's what I appreciated about these these quick cameos that yeah. that Sylvester added in. And even if they're just for a second or so, they feel natural and and. And, and again, if he wrote this for another score, I'd probably say, oh, you know what? He's just copying himself from something else. But the fact that it's sort of that 80s Sylvester mm-hmm. sound, I'm okay with it yeah, here. I, I really and, liked the the trouble motif from Back to the Future that sort mm-hmm. of like came in at different cues. Yeah. Not as, like, even if something that wasn't zemeckis was happening, yeah. you would get a ba-ba-ba-ba <laughs> and... <laughs> You would you would get that sort of jolt of yep. like that happened. Yeah, like. yeah, right. Hundred percent agree. Yeah, that's good stuff. Uh, what else did you have, Kristen? Oh, um, 
So the oasis, the first cue, um, the first score cue, um, I really enjoyed. It reminded me of Jack Wall's Mist work, hmm. um, uh, specifically Mist Four. Um, it had, I, I just liked how it had this reverence to it, like. Mm-hmm. The oasis is sort of like an almost holy place mm-hmm. for these people. Yeah. Um, I enjoyed Orb Meeting, which has this great villain waltz motif. Um, hmm. <laughs> it was, it was just a, a very playful villainous feeling. Um, like they they're mischievous, but you know that they're like deeply. Like they have deeply terrible motives. Mm-hmm. Um, and Welcome to the Rebellion was another standout cue for me. And not just the Back to the Future pieces. That was mm. that's another one that has those floating around in mm-hmm. it. Yeah. There's a lot of that. But it's welcome every time it shows up. Every time yes. it shows up, it's like, ah yes. I would like clap my hands a little bit, <laughs> like the complete dork. And uh, yeah. <laughs> I'll bring up a few that um, aren't really so much nostalgic, but uh, Wade's broadcast, She Never Left, Hold On To Something, all have segments in there that are very Avatar. Very, very Avatar. The percussion that's going on. I mean, when I hear the certain sets, I think on, is it, I think it's Wade's broadcast towards the end of it. Man, it's just like, this sounds like Avatar. I mean, orchestration everything i'm like this guy's auditioning for avatar <laughs> with some of these cues i mean it's just like it's perfect i'm like if they don't select him to do these avatars films they're crazy because he could he would i mean I'd, li- I'd love david newman to do it as well but when i listen to those particular tracks i'm thinking man this guy he would he is one of the two perfect selections uh for for avatar so i like that there's you know, you, you hear Sylvester, you think Sylvester, and you're thinking a very specific type of score, mostly what we got in the, in this score. But then there's there's more stuff in there. The more I listen to it, the more I find to appreciate that's not maybe the typical um, Sylvester-type stuff. And um, so I encourage people to check out those particular tracks uh, and see if you hear any of any of that in there. But the the clock tower stuff, I love that anytime that it's not towards the end of the score, but whenever the clock tower thing just pops in there, uh, I just love it. It's just it's amazing how well something that old can work in a film today that's nothing really like Back to the Future. In terms of its aesthetics and all of that, it's not, I mean, maybe in some of the story beats and the structure, but in terms of the visuals and whatnot, it's not really that similar to, to Back to the Future. But yet, those little it's nuances and references. Piece. Yeah, absolutely <laughs> ding, it is. Ding, 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 ding. Yeah, the way he sets it up, just it's exactly the same way that he would set it up or like mm-hmm. he did set it up in Back to the Future. Um, and it's just, it's brilliant. And so... Um, yeah, those are those are the parts of the score that um, I wanted to bring up. Um, okay, as we wrap up this, there's tons of Easter eggs. We've talked about a lot of them already. Uh, just real quickly, what were your favorite Easter eggs, whether they were visual or audio? Um, Eric, what were your favorite favorite Easter eggs that you found? Uh, one of my favorite moments is uh, Chucky. Oh, that was awesome. <laughs> 
awesome. I lost my mind. <laughs> it was I, so my, funny. My, and my boy was just howling. He was. He's like, is that Chucky? And he knows who. For some reason, he knows who Chucky yeah. is. And uh, he's 11 years old. And uh, he just he was roaring too because of course they they dropped the f bomb right. too. <laughs> they used but their one really well. And it was it was so so good. <laughs> and then um, I just lost my shit when I uh, saw them use the holy hand grenade. Yay! Um, yes. Although I'm not sure, did they count to three before What's they that threw from? it? And that um, that's from Monty um, Python. Uh, Monty Python. The, oh, okay. In the holy. Yeah, the Holy Grail. And uh, there's a whole, watch that whole sequence. But you have to count to three, yes. not to four, not to five, <laughs> before you throw it. And I'm not, I can't remember whether they actually counted before they I threw it. Remember. Now, if they did, and if I see it again and they did that, I mean, wow, that's amazing. But for some reason, the Holy Hand Grenade, I just, I lost it. I love Monty Python. And yeah, I just think too. that the fact that they, they had that in the movie was was just so much fun. I love that their Easter eggs weren't solely confined to uh, pop culture that Halliday right, enjoyed. Yeah, right. yeah. And that it was sort of a place where everybody's, you know, little nerdy. Yeah, it was all over the place. There's something for everybody yeah. <laughs> in the 80s anyway. Um, yeah. and, and backwards from there. Yeah. Agreed. <laughs> um, I love the Mach 5 in that race. I wish I could have seen it more than the one or maybe two shots that they had it in. Um, that was just, I was just total geek. I was like, Mach five, can't believe it. And then the, the whole Gundam, the whole Gundam sequence was just yes. so brilliant and it looked fantastic. I mean, it just looked how they rendered him, him with his, I don't know all that much about Gundam, but his little lightsaber and all of that was just, yeah. I was just, it was fantastically done. The build up to it was great. So I'm like, when is that dude going to do something? He's just sitting there doing nothing. So they're just building and building and building up to it. And he finally does his thing. And it was just, it was fantastic. Those were probably my two favorite, I guess, visual uh, Easter eggs. Justin, what about you? I don't know. There's so many and I missed so much. Oh um, yeah. Well, just what you picked up. I mean, I your uh, right away, I think I picked up that, Halliday was lying in the uh, in the casket from Star Trek Two, Spock's casket. I did not notice that. Yeah, that's awesome. Yep. Um, <laughs> God, I don't. I mean, that's the only one that's coming to mind. I know there's a million more, but but just your favorite. I mean, that was one that's your favorite one that you can that you caught. Yeah, I mean, okay. Uh, I do think there was a Star Wars one, and it was audio only, and I can't remember the exact scene, but there was like a bunch of people and ships all going. I don't know if it was at the very end. It felt like it was earlier in the film than that. They're all going away from camera towards something, and i absolutely certain I heard like TIE fighter sounds. Really? I don't I think there were any yeah. on the screen, but the sound was there because I was looking for them like, that's a TIE fighter. Where, or oh, maybe it was, yeah. it was either TIE Fighter or X-Wing. Anyway, I could, it was plain as day, and I was looking for them, and I couldn't see them, but I definitely heard them. So um, I want to go back and verify that, but I'm absolutely certain the sound was there. Uh, so oh. I thought that was cool. I was happy to see the Iron Giant, but oh, yeah. the jerks made me watch the Iron Giant die again. <laughs> it was... <laughs> Like, it's funny because it was it was it was Iron I Giant. Handle in a I was expecting lifetime. him to say Superman. Oh right. Uh no, but I did I did like the Terminator two thumbs up. Yes, yes, yeah. that was yes. great. 
that and was I, great. I laughed. I think I was the only one in the theater that got it. That was yeah. great. Same <laughs> here. So, yeah, because my because my wife leaned up. She goes, "What does that mean?" I go, it was "Terminator 2. Yep. Yeah. Get with it. Get with the program. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> Although Iron Giant, I mean, there's the whole "I'm not a gun" thing. Yeah. And Iron yeah. Giant was a weapon here. Yeah. But he still. But he selflessly he was saving saved people, everybody. and yes. he became a fridge. Yeah, and yeah. it wasn't yeah. him. It was. It was well, the right. dude or I, I the mean, girl using I, him. I'm talking about you know Iron Giant as right. you know Iron Giant, yeah. not as right, uh, not as H. Right, but it was, but it was, it was, it was so painful to hear him groan when every anytime he got kind of yeah. hit, he got he messed up. Down, he had that, he had that uh, that Vin Diesel groan yeah. to him. Yeah, and yeah. It, it's just like the saddest thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's true. I'm glad he had a bigger part. I just thought it was going to be like you saw in the trailer, just that little silhouette of right. him walking up. And you're like, oh, Iron Giant. But then when he was like, yeah. a, he was a major uh-huh. part of that. I was like, oh, excellent. Yeah. Uh, well, a very well and done thing. I loved thing. all the audio Easter eggs and the Zemeckis Cube stuff was great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Wilhelm's so Scream, much. was it in there? I'm pretty sure it was. I don't know. I think I, think I heard it. it. I'm pretty sure I heard it. Um, I didn't hear any Cayman though. I really wish no. that they they had some Cayman for Iron Giant. Yeah, I wish they had too. You, you know what I'm interested in, and Justin mentioned it that you know certain composers were brought up in the book, and um, I mean I don't know if we time to go into it, but I mean how were they? Why were they part of the narrative? Of the, they weren't. The They're book? just mentioned as um, you know. Great, but they helped define that era. Yeah, they helped define the era. You know, they were great composers. You know, you know, or something like, um, uh, what did they, what did they say for Basil Polidorus? It was not. Maybe it was Conan. It was like, could you imagine Conan without Basil Polidorus or something like that? Mm, I see. And Jerry Goldsmith, uh, something. Yeah, I, but that's how it was. It was they weren't actually part of the narrative. Like, oh, let's oh, okay. let's go find Jerry Goldsmith, and he's going to come with us. And uh, <laughs> well, no, I just didn't know whether there was find like an, a, another key. I don't know. I mentioned to it, and they were playing it during a certain sequence in the game, or in the movie, or the book, or whatever. But um, okay, right. anyway, no, but yeah, you, you know, Kristen is right. Like, you know, a couple more cameos would have been would have been. Yes, yeah. I would have loved. A but I'm just I'm really surprised that they saved or even a John Sorry? Williams cameo. Yes. Yeah. Yes, he would. Ex- yeah. Well, I mean, and, and it's 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 hard it's hard to do when Spielberg takes out all the all of his own references. Yeah, and and you know you can't utilize you know Indiana Jones and and Jaws and things of that sort. And, yep, um, it's true. But uh, you know, it would have been nice to have you know some like I was shocked that they didn't use back. Like I thought, of course, and I think everybody else thought that Back to the Future is going to be used during you know DeLorean mm-hmm. stuff, and then when it didn't happen. And of course, it happened during the Zemeckis Cube, and I was like, "Wow, that is that is actually quite clever." And I mean, it, yeah, I mean, I, I knew, I mean, knew they were knew they were going to use the Zemeckis Cube for something, or it was just you know a funny in joke. But I just didn't know that was going to have such a an important role to play. Sure, that Back to the Future theme was going to be played over that, and not the actual Back to the Future. Way to <laughs> right. that we saw. I'm so glad that the Back to the Future theme wasn't played over and over again because when I yeah. saw that he was doing the score, sure. I was like, "Oh God, I hope he's not going to just." do that right. over and over and over again so Ugh. thank god that was it yeah. was a very deft hand yeah yeah agreed agreed 
All right. Well, we've gone super long. Um, any final thoughts about uh, Ready Player One, uh, the score in particular by Alan Silvestri before we wrap this thing up? Um, I, uh, you know, enjoyed the end credits quite a bit. Oh, I'm yeah. just, again, not 100% sure. And I, I know with most Silvestri scores, he takes bits and pieces here and there from the, the already established scores and combines them into an end credit suite. Mm-hmm. Um, not all the time, but like in the Mummy Returns album, you know, that last track, The Mummy Returns, is just an assembly of, of previous themes. But the way he does it, it's just so flawless. And so I'm not 100% sure whether... The, you know that eight minute suite is actually recorded as is or i just it's so it, it is just it's it's a great piece isn't it just already on the inside and looking for a truck combined is that what that is i think yeah see i'm not i played and it's like i'm there's just I so think much it's happening just track in the 12 the and 13 I, combined okay oh, is it really okay. well then so be it but it's so good <laughs> um and it fits so perfectly and i guess he already wrote you know the main theme which I was kind of disappointed that it didn't play over top of the the main credits at the end. Mm-hmm. Um, again, I don't know what song they played. I just kind of wish it wasn't a song, and I wish it was the main theme. And I think he had written the main theme for that uh, portion. And then when they finally rolled the rest of the credits, it's you know Silvestri's edit of, of cues from the rest of the score, which is I guess what he does with most of the scores anyway. You know, um, so that was I've kind of com- a little disappointing. But I I, I like the I've assembly. I've completely of the blocked out what song played. Yeah, I don't know what song I, it was either. I completely checked out. I was just—I didn't stay for the all the end credits, but I—I I, I oh. can't remember at all what was playing, which probably was was what was playing over the final few moments of the film, and then it went to end credits. Or did no, a song I, start at the end? No, credits? it just started. Yeah, it just whatever well, it was. I'm it was, sure it was right it was, on the nose. That's why I'm surprised I can't remember it. It was uh, a bit disappointing, so I'm not sure which I, one it was. I but, can't. Uh, I can't. I would have rather have heard Sylvester's music there. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. All right. Well, that was a great discussion, guys, on this film. And there's so much. I mean, this film is going to be talked about for a long time as people really start to dissect all this, all the little things in there. Um, uh, I wish there was a little more to dissect in terms of the film itself and its themes and messages and whatnot. But um, I think this film is about the Easter eggs and the nostalgia. And um, it does have things to say, but, um, you know they're 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 pretty clear and pretty plain um so thank you all for joining uh for those of you listening we are going to do our bonus track here in a few minutes but we're gonna uh do our official closing of the episode now so uh, justin craig how can people find and follow you online i'm on twitter at justin underscore m underscore craig all right and eric find and follow you uh, you can find me on Twitter at Sound Radio, on Facebook at Cinematic Sound, and you can find Cinematic Sound Radio Show at CinematicSound.net. Kristen. The easiest way to find me is on Twitter at kb for now That's K-B-F-O-R-N-O-W. You can find Filmscore Monthly online at fsmonlinemag.com. Also on Twitter at fsmonlinemag. We have a new issue out, so check it out. All right. And of course, you can uh, find us on Twitter. Our official Twitter account for the show is at Audio Soundcast. If you want just Soundcast stuff, if you want wanting more than that and more tracks, uh, sound 
tracky stuff, you can follow us at TrackSounds on Twitter. Uh, send us an email at soundcast at tracksounds.com. And as always, you can subscribe if you haven't already on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Spotify. We're all over the place. And of course, you can find every episode at thesoundcast.com. If you want to follow me for some reason, you can do so on Twitter at C. Coleman. So until our next episode, but don't forget about the bonus track coming up, uh, we want to say may the notes be with you. All right, so tomorrow, uh, 4, 3, April 3rd, 2018, is National Film Score Day. Uh, and Eric, you're the one who brought that to my attention originally about a week or so ago. Um, and we thought we'd just bring it up because I don't know what's actually being done on that day. So we thought we could just bounce around some thoughts, some ideas. But Eric, just tell everyone a little bit about this, where you heard about it, and what it is. Yeah, I actually heard about it through... Uh score the documentary uh through their facebook feed and they had mentioned that it was you know uh national film score day on april 3rd i'm like what that's something they made so up I, yeah well that's why i thought they made it up <laughs> uh, that was going to be you know in a promotion for their for their upcoming podcast which comes out on film score day and i'm thinking oh okay great but it's an actually official thing done through this website called national day calendar and I guess you can submit ideas for anything like National Egg Day or whatever, National Socks Day, I guess you can. Mm-hmm. So this this uh, this couple, Jeffrey and Mary Kern, who are the founders of Movie Score Radio, actually created this. Oh. And uh, they host a uh, 24-7 uh, streaming soundtracks uh, radio station. And they picked the date because uh, The Jungle Book was released on April 3rd, 1942. And the following year, um, an album of the score was actually released. And if I'm not mistaken, it was the first time that, you know, a soundtrack was actually on a commercial recording. And so they Mm -hmm. picked that day as National Film Score Day, and it was approved. And so I guess now it's official that April 3rd, from now on is uh is national film score day i hope i don't have to go to work (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah you can take the day holidays you can listen to film music all day yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah so i think that's cool um and i wonder like what you know what would be some cool things that could be done on that day aside from taking the day off from work um you know, this episode's probably not going to be edited and published by the time, by tomorrow. Uh, so we're really thinking, okay, what about next year on 4-3? Uh, what could what could we, what, what could be done? I mean, I'm sure people can say happy National Film Score Day, but um, I'm just curious what, what kind of ideas might pop into your guys' head for that, if anything. <laughs> Give your loved one a score that they wouldn't understand. <laughs> wow. That's like, easy. What? It was an example. It's like every Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> Forbidden Planet. Forbidden Planet's a good one. Forbidden. <laughs>
Dunkirk. I, <laughs> oh, I would Dunkirk. love for there to be. I would love for there to be an annual domestic in the U.S. because they're everywhere else. Uh, film concert on that day. Um, film music concert. But it With would be in some place ridiculous like Las Vegas, where nobody can go to. Nobody no, to like Ma- Kansas or yeah, something. All right. In the middle or of the country. Some place at high where altitude no film- where I can't right. go without pain. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe it travels around from year to year. One year it's in LA, the next year it's in Dallas, the next year it's in but something. I think that would be I think that would be great. Especially if you could get not just one guy but or gal, you could get several of them to come out and conduct something that they've written. Yeah, that'd be, that'd uh, or be interesting. a few pieces. That would be really fun, I think. Um, make a day of it or something. You could break but, out um, my Ouija board and contact the spirit of Jerry Goldsmith. <laughs> He'd say, <laughs> shut up, let me sleep. Like, leave me yeah. alone. <laughs> I've already done my part. No. Leave me alone already. <laughs> uh, um, oh, and then Poltergeist would start playing. Oh, oh no. gosh. <laughs> Gold the only Smith thing jokes. I could think of is... Uh, there's a another soundtrack radio show that plays here in Kitchener, and for his fifth anniversary, he did a 24 hour film score marathon on his radio uh, station. Mm-hmm. That's it cool. nearly ruined him, but I thought, you know what, that would <laughs> that would be a really cool idea, and it, and it wouldn't necessarily be my choices. I would, you know, put it out there for for the rest of the world to to choose what they'd like to hear. Like, you know, I put my entire collection, you know. Um, a list of what I have online and you can just pick all the rare stuff that I got and finally, you know, hear mm-hmm. it on the live setting. And I'm just wondering whether that would be kind of a, a neat thing. That's to do. interesting. Be a little more interactive. Yeah. Something I could plan for, for next year. And you know, that, I think that would be a neat idea. Uh, not sure how, how, I mean, who knows? Who knows? I mean, here's the I thing. Don't... I mean, I'm as of today, I'm actually uh, going to be collaborating with these people um, at, uh, mm-hmm. at movie score radio. And uh, maybe it's something I can do through their station um, since they run mm. a 24-7 stream. Who knows? Um, yeah. But. Yeah, that's interesting. I, I propose that we do a 24-hour podcast. Oh that would be amazing. talk about <laughs> Star talk Wars. Talk about film music. Only Star Wars. For 24 Oh, your Star Wars would take 12 hours easily. <laughs> but that means the spoiler part will be the last three hours. <laughs> But man, can you imagine just how crazy it would be? It's our director's I mean, commentary. We'll be making stuff up by that time. Of the Star Wars saga. We'll make up our own spoilers. <laughs> Predictive spoilers. <laughs> oh, that would be brutal. Oh, but man. I don't know. That might be kind of crazy fun to do. Uh, I'd have to have a sponsor to pay right. <laughs> to do that. Yeah. Uh, there'd have to be money in it. <laughs> That's all. There just has to be money involved when it gets. There's always money in the banana stand. (laughs) That's 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 over my. Oh, Arrested Development. Oh yeah, I never. (gasps) It's funny. Nope, I I know people. It's weird that show and Seinfeld. People always you need to watch it, and I try. I watch one or two episodes. I'm like, one or two episodes. I'm like, okay. 
I don't know, but I wasn't watching either of those shows. Well, where do you start with Seinfeld? <laughs> do you start like in season one or do you ever go through like a, hey, here's the top 10 episodes you should watch? I, man. That would help you mm, out. Just whatever just was on. I just randomly watch Because it was episodes. during the 90s. So cool. Yeah. I, I would yeah. pick the top, I would pick like a top 10 list and go from there. Gosh, the final um, episode of that broadcast of the day of my junior Yeah, I tried prom. to go back when they all were added to Hulu. I started at the beginning of season one. I was like, ooh, yeah. no. So yeah, bad, you just huh? got to start some random place. Yeah. Well, that's what I did. I mean, it was just whatever came on that week I watched and was like, oh, okay. My after-prom yeah. party <laughs> was, Seinfeld, uh, was Seinfeld themed <laughs> and we had a chocolate babka. It was a lot of fun. Wow. <laughs> yeah, see. Yeah, I don't know. There's a lot of Superman in Seinfeld. Yeah. If you want to hear John Williams. Yeah. That's right. That is right. Really interesting. He loves Superman. Yep. Yeah. The whole montage at the season finale or series finale. Super or the mm-hmm. episode where huh. he races. <laughs> mm-hmm. Anyway. anyway. Yeah, I don't know any of these references, so I'm moving. This <laughs> 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 uh, okay, well, those are some interesting ideas for National Film oh, Score right. Day. National Maybe Day. some of our listeners might have some ideas about uh, what would be a cool thing to do on National Film Score Day. Maybe it's National film score evangelism day where we try to convert non-film music fans <laughs> to become wow. we have to get one person That's to a become a sell. film music fan on that day maybe we can make our own film scores and we can put a recorder up to a ticking watch. i have an idea everybody <laughs> should subscribe to film score monthly online on national film score day thank you yeah, i think so or or to the soundcast or to cinematic sound radio yeah. do that too but or or follow but Justin. Also subscribe to I have a GoFundMe account that show. just goes directly to my checking account, so you can <laughs> sign up for that. All good ideas. Yeah. So many ideas. Pick one and do it, and you will be an official part of National Film Score Day. Um, all right. Uh, let's move on to some of these Twitter questions that were asked today, and we'll try to go through as many as we can. Um, can't guarantee we'll go to all of them. Um, so let's see. Let's start right here at the top. Um, Caleb Burnett uh, at Caleb Composed asks, "How did you guys feel about the references to? Oh well, we, <laughs> back, uh, references to Back to Future musical score and what they were associated with on screen." Uh, I think we kind of already we answered feel that awesome. In our, in, <laughs> we do, we do feel awesome about it. That's true. Uh, he didn't say elaborate. So, yeah, I think if you want elaboration, you've already heard our answer to that one. Um, Eric D. Silver uh, at the Schnoz uh, on Twitter asks, why was the why was Justice League soundtrack so bad, even though they called in Danny Elfman? Was it that bad? But, yeah, I didn't know if it was so bad. I, bad. I didn't think I it, it was so yeah. bad. I wouldn't say I loved I haven't listened to it. It was generic. In a very long time. I mean, yeah. It wasn't offensive. It wasn't. No. Yeah. It wasn't. It was no Avengers Age of Ultron, mind you. It was close to it, though. Uh, no. In mel- melody. No. Uh-uh. I don't. You mean, I mean, literally, it sounded like it? Of course, or the theme. The one thing that he came wise. up with was like the Avengers. Oh, was it? Okay. Yeah. I forget. It sounds I like, why are you right. why using those notes in a DC movie? <laughs> oh, Danny Elfman. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, you want superhero? Yeah. He pulls him out of yeah. my superhero bag. Yeah. Here, we'll use yeah. this. 
I don't think it Stop was bad. Stop calling me last minute, and I'll give you an original theme. Yeah. I mean, I couldn't hear it in the movie, but I don't think it was terrible. I mean, I, no, I don't think it was terrible. I thought the action writing was, was pretty amazing, honestly. But yeah, I mean, I can't remember any of it. it, it like I said, it, you couldn't hear it in the movie, and I for the stuff that he wrote it was it was I've forgotten most of the movie to be honest. Yeah, it's really I bad. just remember lots of orange it, at the end. Bad. Everything was orange. Yeah. <laughs> That's all I remember. Yeah. Uh, but I don't think it's a bad uh, score by any means. N- no, I don't think so. I don't think so. Um Anthony Taylor at Twin Pines 85 asks what score would you most like to see receive an expanded or remastered release? Well, duh. Um Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's one. That's, yeah, that's that's one. That's the one I would most like to see be expanded. Yeah. I feel that like and I would. Oh, go ahead. Sorry, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Oh, oh, I was just going to say, I feel like we're living in a pretty good time for remastered and expanded scores. Like things keep on coming out. Um, yeah. Like we just got True. the Prince of Thieves and right. That was my last Holy Grail. Who? Yeah, yeah. Oh, really? Like yeah. they've been so hitting many. Holy Grails like hard, like for the past yeah. five years. And I mm-hmm. want, yeah, Willow sneakers. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I'm not sneakers. sneakers. Um, is there? God. Was that? Is that one of those thirty Just minute? No. Medicine Man. No, I mean they're not sneakers. Under is a really fire. Good album. Medicine Man's a really good album. Um, so is Willow. I, the only thing about Willow, I don't know how much is missing. And I don't know how much good stuff is missing. Sneakers, I could, I love sneakers, but I don't know whether how much more I could would want to listen to. But it's really good. It's like <laughs> I mean, it's like it's like searching for Bobby Fischer. I listened to that expanded edition. It oh. didn't help that score at all. I what I, I prefer Bro. the shorter release. Bro. It just felt it was it was a better organized album to me. And I don't think mm. the expanded. I don't think I could get through the entire expanded release. I just thought the way that they arranged the the original album was perfect, and it was the original one's yeah. great. And I mean, look, it's a perfect score. I'm not saying that, that the cues added were were terrible. I just think for for me and my listening experience and, and the way I listen to soundtracks now, with having so little yeah. time, that the single release was was perfect for me. Um, mm. And I love sneakers. Yeah, I love sneakers. But what anything anything? I'm not sure what's missing from that though. Yeah, I haven't seen that movie in yeah. so long. I don't. And Medicine Man's so I good too. Yeah. You're right; it's a really good one. Um, but I would anything else. I, well, I'm dying to hear what they can do with John Williams' Dracula, and I think that oh the, yes, Dracula. And I think Ooh. the tapes are gone, or else they probably would have done it by now. But even if they oh, just remaster the original LP program, um, mm-hmm. because it's really bad. Um, it doesn't sound great and it's an Eric Tomlinson recording. And if you can get somebody mm. like Chris Malone, who does such great work with Tomlinson recordings, um, you get him to, to, to do a work on that, just a remastered version of the LP I'd be happy with. But if they can find somehow tapes or even re-record it, give it to Tadlow and let them do it. Um, I think that's the last kind of Williams between 77 and 84 release that we don't have a definitive version of and that would be fantastic i would love mm. for witches of eastwick yeah that's fantastic didn't too. they didn't they expand that already no. or remaster i thought there was a recent release it was, of that. It was just no? of the lp program or the original uh cd 
Mulan, Mulan. Small Soldiers. And you know that's going to come. Entrada's going to do that. Or Disney's going to do it through their legacy. um, Yeah, they're doing their legacy uh, thing. So that that would be a perfect thing for for that. (gasps) But Mulan is fantastic. Good call. Really Mm -hmm. good call. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Uh, Let's see. What's next here? Uh, Andrew Scott Meyer at ZenLogic101 asks like a thousand (laughs) questions. Let's see. Um, Really only three. Uh, Other than Eric, what were some... Why did he eliminate you? I think he already Uh, knows. Oh, because of your show. Uh, What were some of your favorite scores of 2017? Justin? Of 2017? Oh. 1917. (laughs) Let's get Doug Adams. <laughs> <laughs> He'll tell us what's going on in 1917. Battleship Potemkin. Um, I don't know when that came out. Uh, somewhere back there. Um, Sorry, go ahead. What did I like in 2017? Well, Planet of the Apes. Yeah, yes. Wolf of the Planet of the Apes. Yeah. Good call. That might have been my favorite. Oh, of course, Star Wars. Oh, mm-hmm. Okay. I know how you feel about the movie, but the score's great. <laughs> yeah, the score's great. Yeah, it's fine. It's fine. Uh, how about Lego Batman? I thought that was a That's great fun. score. Lauren Balfe. That's out there. That's fun. Yeah. Lots of fun references in there. I have a whole list if you're having trouble, Justin. <laughs> I am. I'm actually having trouble remembering what I saw last okay, year. Okay, we'll just, we'll just spit them out then as they come to mind. Okay. Well, here uh, are mine. Get out. <laughs> Mm. Hmm. Uh, Hostiles, Max Richter. Hmm. Boston, Jeff Beal. Very good. Yeah. If you guys hmm. have not listened to that because it's a documentary score, get out there and listen to the score to Boston and also watch the documentary. It's a good documentary. It's not about the bombing, it's about the history of the marathon. Um, okay. Jeff Russo's Legion score. That is actually mm-hmm. good. Yeah. It yes. is insane. <laughs> yeah. It's amazing. It's the same guy who wrote Star Trek. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Wonderstruck, Carter Burwell, mm-hmm. and War for the Planet mm-hmm. of the Apes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Those are all very interesting calls. Of course, uh, I love mum- Shape of Water. Shape, yes. Mm. Yep. Mm. And mm. Rob Simonson's The Only Living Boy in New York. What is that? Hmm. I don't think yeah. I heard that one. I don't think I heard that one either, and I like him a lot. Yeah, me too. I'll go back and see if I can find that one. Hey, what about Ferdinand? Was not so yes. much. Oh. What? No. Uh, I liked so Ferdinand. Much. But I hated the movie. God, I hated that movie. Oh, I didn't see it. I hated it so much. But the score was great. I thought the score was okay. I thought the score yeah. was great. But I just didn't really, no, that one didn't resonate with me. Was Nerve last year? Uh, Nerve was That was another ago. Rob Simonson. That was fantastic. Oh, was that longer? Yeah, wow. That was two years ago. Yeah, and he wrote... Um, What's the new one? Uh, Love Simon. Love Simon. Really good. It's very good. Excellent yeah. score. And if, Excellent I mean, if, score. that's 2018. Yeah, and if nobody listens to my radio show, my favorite was Captain Underpants. Uh, yeah. Oh, that's, oh, right. that's that a really fun one. Yeah, and others uh, that you should listen to: uh, Phantom Thread. Listen to the Death of Stalin. By the way, great job of the annotator mm-hmm. with that one. That guy's amazing. Um, I hope yes. nothing but the best for that guy. He's going to be a superstar <laughs> yeah, he's, if he can get the chance. He sure will. Um, he sure will. Well, I love John Williams as the post. Um, mm. And uh, Valerian in the City of Thousand, Thousand Planets was my favorite displot. Mm. 
Albie and the mm-hmm. Enchanted Stallion by George Callis, who had an amazing 2017. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And then, oh my God, uh, if you can find it, <laughs> um, there is a score called Cello by Randy Kerber, who uh, has played on hundreds and hundreds of scores, but he got a chance to write music for this uh, short film. Um, and it's a it's a pretty good movie as well. Um, I got the production company to send me a screener because uh, I had to... S- see the movie and hear the score in context uh the album is i mean if you like deeply emotional music mm-hmm, check out mm-hmm. cello by randy kerber that was one of my uh best surprises from last year okay all right well he did eliminate you from the question but that's okay you can <laughs> well just in case i mean and... yeah i mean because he already knew but i'm just wondering <laughs> he specifically said he said eric don't talk anymore then eric yeah. he said other than eric but it's Maybe okay. he doesn't like me. Maybe that's the whole point. Too bad. You heard it anyway, Andrew. Thanks for your question. Uh, a couple of Brian Tyler scores. As bad as the movie was, his score for The Mummy was pretty yes, good. It was. Uh, and as bad as the movie was, his score for Power Rangers really? was pretty good. I couldn't get past the Tron Legacy references. Could not. Oh, I loved it. I enjoyed it quite a bit. Quite a bit. And it, it didn't get much run. He didn't get people talking about it very much so i wanted to mention those two um justin do you have any others nothing that's really sticking out i mean i mean each year it just gets less and less unfortunately for me Hmm. yeah i i can i can can feel you on that um all right let's go to one of his other questions uh 2000 oh well of course 2018 favorite scores thus far and anticipated releases Post Avengers. Uh, post. I don't know why the qualifier on Post Avengers. I don't know what that means. We also pick Just after the Avengers. Maybe I don't know. I don't know. Um, obviously, Ready. I think Ready Player One is that on? Would everyone say that's on their list? That's on for, my list. Yeah, that's, that's on yeah. my list. I mean, there hasn't so been, far been that much year. out yet. McCreary's Cloverfield uh, Paradox. Yeah. Really good. Mm. Uh, Gordonson's Black it's Panther, movie, really good. Score. I hear it's so bad. It starts so off so deep. promising, and then it, it goes to a stupid place. It's horror. It just yeah. it goes it to a apart. very stupid place. Absolutely falls yeah. apart. Um, I enjoyed Video Man, the Video Man score uh, by Wave Shaper and Robert Parker. Really tiny score for a tiny film from Sweden, I think. Um, Total '80s retro type of deal, but uh, but very very enjoyable. I like the first cue to Red Sparrow. Oh, Red Sparrow's fantastic, yes. and people well, are first, dismissing yes, are. the middle of that score just because it's not as big and glorious as those three amazing tracks are. Don't do it. The suspense music's amazing. In I, this did score as well. I did it. So, I did it. I did it. So good. The whole thing. I, I wasn't. I wasn't into the middle. God, it's all great. Admit. It's so good. It's star. I mean, because it sets you up with that great first oh, track. For and then sure. like, oh, for yeah. sure. Oh, what? What happened? Oh, it's just a letdown. It just can't after all that. be. If, it, it, I think the suspense, just if you can, if you can go back and just pay attention to it, he's so good at writing that stuff. I'll go back. Yeah. I, I think yeah, I there's, think a, there's a great back. meaty, I think like a seven minute cue in there that's just oh, so awesome. Um, yeah. But yeah, that's. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
I love that score a lot. Uh, Black Panther yeah, definitely for this cool year for so sure. far. Black uh, Panther, something I really special. Liked the Bill Trony um, for Matilda, not for a Quiet Place, but for Matilda. See that okay. one went nowhere. It started out great and then went nowhere. I liked it. Hmm. Yeah, there's another one. Mm. Um, I can't remember who wrote it. It's called Nostalgia. Oh, and Max Nostalgia. and Me. Oh my God, yes. Mac- oh, Maximi, Maximi, yeah, Maximi from Mark McKenzie, McKenzie. For a movie yeah, that has beautiful. yet to been, be released. <laughs> I don't even think it's oh, done really? yet. Um, but I think McKenzie wow. wrote this score and recorded like two years ago. And uh, it's, <laughs> he finally had enough. It's not done. Like, yeah, and he got it released um, um, because he just worked with so many, so many people. He worked with so many classical. He was working with, um, uh, who's the solo, solo violin on that project? A couple of big names, and it's like he just wanted to get that out. So um, I'm glad he did because it's it's fantastic. And I'm trying mm. to think who wrote the score to Nostalgia, and I'm just completely blanking on this one. I um, know the title. Oh, of this, uh, but Laurent. Equim. Oh yes. Equim. Yes. yes. Yeah. Fantastic. Oh, he's talented. I haven't heard that, but he's talented. Yeah, and then. Um, I think we're all going to have a good time with Christopher Lenertz's Lost in Space. Oh, yeah. Oh, already yes. having a great time yes, with that. Yeah. Fantastic. That's going to be so good. Those are fun. Fantastic. <laughs> yeah. So surprising. So uh, Just pleasantly surprised with what I heard there. Just like, what? Yeah. What are we doing? Are we it's really amazing. doing this? <laughs> yeah. It's so it's just, good. Yeah. Yep. That's a guy who needs to be doing bigger and better projects. Yes, for sure. And for it's a sure. long time coming for him. Yep. Yep. And I love to score for the Smurfs last year. Oh, that was me too. High quality stuff. Yes. But this one's on another level. Yes. This one, Austin Space on another level. Um, I think we're all looking forward to Infinity War after, especially after Ready Player One. I hope he gets the same kind of freedom, I guess. Yeah, he got uh, a lot of freedom. Very curious yeah. about that. Uh, probably very not. Very curious about Deadpool. Probably not. Um, Who's on Deadpool I mean, again? Gosh, solo. Um, Deadpool. Deadpool. I don't remember who did the last one. That was that well, was uh, Tom Holkenborg. Oh, that's right. This one. And oh yeah, I like that one too. Does, does Predator, Tyler Bates? Does, does Predator come out this year? Yes, Jackman. And, Henry yeah, Jackman. that's that's an interesting call yeah, for Jackman. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Later, like seven September, August, something okay. like that. Yeah. The, and of course, I mean Powell. Yeah, Powell solo. solo definitely. Yeah, I'm looking forward to, to that I don't know score. Where that's gonna go, and I can't wait to hear it. Yeah, it's coming soon. Coming yeah. very soon. Uh, other things this year, we've got a Harry Potter, or not Harry Potter, but Fantastic Beasts. Yeah. Uh, I'm not sure. Is Ooh. James Newton Howard doing that? I assume so. Yep. Yes. Yep. Um, we've got another Jurassic World. Mm-hmm. We've got an Ant-Man later in the year. Ocean's 8, Daniel Pemberton. Oh, is he doing oh, that? Is he really doing that? Yeah. That could oh, be fun. Now that I'm interested. Fun. Now I'm interested in hearing what he does there. Yeah. Incredibles too. Uh, I definitely. Yeah. yeah. Definitely. I hope now, he brings back his underminer theme from uh, the video game. Oh, from the game? Yeah. <laughs> I hope he does. Is is um Christopher Christoph uh why can't I think of his name right now? For Ant Man? Christoph Beck. Yeah, is he back? Christoph Beck, yeah, he's back. Yep, he's back. Okay, good. Good, good, good. I can't wait. Yeah, he's uh, fun. we got Venom. <laughs> is that this year? Venom this mm-hmm. year? I think I so. Who's on I Venom? Think. I have no idea. 
I have no idea. Got Mary Poppins. Huh. Uh, you've got Alita Battle Angel. I'm looking forward to that film. Uh, I don't know who's doing the score for it. We have whoever's but- doing Mission Impossible Fallout. Um, yeah, oh, I'm, that's mis- already ruined. Big for mistake, for producers. Yep. Whoever made that yeah. decision, yep. big mistake. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm not. I'm not excited about that. Yeah. Why I'm, would they do that? I have no Such idea. Idiots. Because they're dumb. It's like I guess people loved the last one so much that yeah, we can't have that. Let's change it. I bet it's all Tom Cruise. I bet you it's Tom Cruise too. I'm sure he connected with Brian Tyler. On the mummy. Yep. And no matter how mm-hmm. bad that was, I'm thinking he's writing it. Yep. Probably not a wasn't a bad choice. No, he's not, not a bad, bad choice. But, but he's so bland. But Joe yeah, Kramer but, but would be better. Kramer got screwed. He yeah, deserved he, it better than that. Oh, man. It was, his score was so good for the last one. Yep. I don't understand. Sure was. I don't understand. I don't know. And it was a good Dude. movie, too. Yeah, absolutely. No, it all it worked. one of my favorites. Yeah. Yep, one of my favorites of the bunch. Okay, let's move it on. Um, <laughs> scores you that we already had silent. Okay, here's one from what? Here's one from Tarek at at Tarek Toverso. Uh, why did they use in the trailer a mis- mis- mismatched and disappointing music that wasn't obviously composed for the movie? The Oasis track would have boosted my temper. Tempered enthusiasm, if it were used. Uh, so they, I they think he's referring ever to use music that was yeah. written for the movie. And for thank trailers. God they didn't. Thank God they didn't. Yeah. The the trailer music. What was it? There was a version of um, Pure Imagination. It's like right. enough of that already. We've yeah. that's played it to death. Yeah. You know what? If um, they had used the Oasis track, people would have thought it was just a piece of trailer music anyway. And yeah, it's true. I'd have been like, hey, that's an Ademus ripoff. Right. Trailer music is is you can't almost oh they did hardly pure imagination because the book is very uh, much modeled after Willy Wonka. Oh, is it? Which didn't really come across but, in the movie, but, but the book very much read is. The book's not going to know that. What's what? Say again. People who haven't read the book's not going to know that. They're just seeing the trailer and like oh, I, I mean, it uh, seems I can see the connection. Yeah. Um. But it's just like that song, using that song for stuff. It's just, it's been done to death. So they need to find a new anthem for all of their whimsy, whimsical, whatevers. Um, so, yeah, I'm glad they didn't use the Oasis track because um, I don't, there's no, there would have been no real content. Also, for it, it probably know. wasn't even recorded when they put together the trailer so i mean recording happens so late in the process and they already start marketing true months before that so very true yeah okay i'm gonna skip this one and go to this next one here um from ben whiting at ben whiting who is the most creative film score composer working actively right now what about composers for tv or video games creative well, I have first person that comes to my mind is Olivier de Riviere in terms oh, of creativity. Yeah. Uh, he's first and foremost in my brain. Um, he's doing some great work, very creative, very innovative stuff for for, for the video game world. Hmm. Hmm. Who else? Creative. Bear McCreary. Ah, like, uh, Bear McCreary is one yeah. of them. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Yep. That's a good call. Yeah. Anybody that could use a kazoo in The Walking Dead 
is doing <laughs> Oh, I just love the blaster beam from Cloverfield Lane. <laughs> just, yes. That, oh, that was so great. He, you know, and his hurdy-gurdy and all that stuff, too. True. Uh, Very true. That's a good call. I, even though I didn't like the score to King Arthur, Legend of the Sword. Oh, I, yeah. I, oh, I, yeah. Daniel, Daniel Pemberton. Pemberton. Just thinking outside the box. Yeah, so I enjoy that score, else. actually. And I didn't hate the movie as much as most people seem to, but um, I think he did. Yeah, he did a great job for that. that and movie. and if he hadn't died, I think Johan Johansson would have been yeah. on the list as well. Yeah, yeah. that's very um, true. I actually just revisited um, Arrival. Oh, yeah. And paid a bit more attention to it and was catching some things that I didn't recognize after my first or second listen, and I don't want to revisit the movie. Um, you don't? I don't know. I think we've been over this. It's oh, okay. The I don't it bothers the hell out of me. Oh, I think, that's I, right. I think I might anyway because I mean, there's I've been again I've been Such doing more reading movie. on it. it. It really I am obsessed with it to the point that I just I really want to watch it again. I really want to like it. I might just stop before the ending. Yeah, just stop before the end. <laughs> um, yeah. because I've there's a realization. I mean, I always thought there was a major plot hole, but. I wasn't thinking anyway, the, anyway, just, I just thought the score having listened to it again after what, how many, it's been about a year or so since it came mm-hmm. out that, um, yeah, he was doing some pretty amazing things and, and mm-hmm. I actually liked the new stuff that, that he, um, wrote this year. And so, yeah, I'm kind of discovering him, even his non-film work yeah um, oh yeah because of his death you know i'm yeah, I'm, yeah I'm it makes rediscovering you his music go back and, and listen he was he was something else he was he was going to go on to bigger and better things i think i wish we um, could hear what he had come up with for blade runner oh man. i know yeah i, know. I really wish i'm he sure he's perfect. got something somewhere somebody's got something yeah of whatever he was mocking up i would really love to hear it yeah, yeah. And I think Johnny Greenwood is still doing some great things. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. uh, you know, his latest, it's uh, it's kind of a, a tonal mess. Um, yeah. But still, there's some interesting things going on in there, and he's trying new things, and at least he's trying. And uh, and, and I like that. And, of course, I love Phantom Thread. So yeah. um, anything yeah. that he kind of comes out with, uh, I'll be on board. The for aforementioned sure. Joe Kramer, he's great. Um, mm-hmm. I think for television jeff russo does i mean i oh, mentioned him before he does great yes. stuff i mean i'm his not really fargo yeah his fantastic. fargo work each season is yeah, different just i just love it and brilliant. he gets to go all psychedelic and heroic for legion and mm-hmm. i'm not so much with the star trek discovery but i mm-hmm. have other problems mm-hmm. for, with that that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. are very deeply ingrained in my horrible nerdiness that has to do with Star Trek. <laughs> so that's nobody's fault, but really, I'm going to blame my dad on that. Uh. <laughs> when in doubt, blame the parents. Uh. <laughs> um, but yeah, Jeff Russo for television, for sure. And a mm-hmm. lot of the video mm-hmm. game guys, you know who I really like? Well, Olivier, Olivier de Riviere. Love his work. Mm-hmm. Um but Gary Scheiman, every time he has a score for a video game, I love it. Mm-hmm. Yep, 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 yep. Anyone else? Well, everybody seems to forget he exists, and he's been around a while, and he's pretty popular, and he's always creating something 
somewhat inventive and John new Williams. with Christopher Young, Brad Fidel, <laughs> to none of those. Uh, Marco Beltrami. <gasps> yes, that's mm. that's a good choice. I guess he's creative. Yeah, he's creative. He's always inventing new or modifying instruments in very strange Except ways. For Quiet Place wasn't that great. Um, that piano I don't that haven't he, seen or heard that yet. What was that piano that he created for? Um, that wind one, yeah. the wind piano. What a yeah, yeah sound. I remember that. Uh huh. Have you? Did you see the the setup for that? Yeah. Oh, it's for the Holmesman. Holmesman. Is that what it was? Yeah. 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 Yep. Holmesman. What was he thinking? Yeah, he and Buck just like <laughs> engineered this. <laughs> yeah. Huge new instrument yeah. with like wires that were like. Yeah. And they're playing the <laughs> yep. wind, which is crazy. God, like when Speaking when of- he really gets into a project that he likes he will bend over backwards to create something completely original for it and there are projects with, where he kind of like writes it in and he knows it and he like in, like <laughs> there are always those projects but when he puts everything into something you can really tell mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. what she said <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, let's get to the last Twitter question. Uh, and this comes from Randall Andrews, Randall Andrews, at, and at Randall Andrews 1. Uh, and he asks, with all the current Marvel movies that are coming out, do you feel that it would be far better to have a, to have a few chosen composers for the scores or have it as it is right now explain? I think we've talked about this many, 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 many times uh, before. Um, yes, we do think it would have been better to have had uh, just a few composers rather than the, the numerous ones that we've had over the course of the last yeah, 18, they, 19 they're films. They're churning them out so fast. Yeah, and... Or at least each each franchise should have its yep. own composer yeah. well, yeah. and then yeah, an, a single composer for the crossovers yeah. yep. to merge all that together. Sure. That would make total sense. It makes sense. That would so, make sense. Like all the Doctor Strange movies are Michael Giacchino, and yeah. all the Thor movies are, I don't know, there's like 10 of them there's, now. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. 10 composers, so we got to pick one. But. Yeah. Well, I mean, yes. Christoph Beck for Ant Man, he, he yeah. has a yeah. great so sound good. for that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I think it's Thor and Iron Man that present the problem. Yeah. Those are the ones that have like a different composer for every movie. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think yeah. if you had tightened that up a little bit. Gosh, although uh, Brian Tyler's Iron Man 3, like mm-hmm. I had so much hope when that happened that that would start bringing everything together because well, he, had, on their way. he had such a strong theme. Oh. Yeah, they were on their way with, with him doing Thor and then, Iron Man and an Avengers movie. Messed it up. But, uh, yeah. Who wants consistency? <laughs> um, so yeah, I mean the answer is yes, and what well, and explain well. It's There's a, a whole bunch obvious. of podcasts. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you can go back through the through our archive yeah. and find all kinds of conversations about this very this very question. Um, all right, well that was fun, uh, guys, talking through some of these. Some of these questions. Uh, the only one I didn't ask was the EQ question from Ben Whiting, which uh, maybe you have an answer for that, Eric. But I know for myself, what EQ settings we recommend for soundtrack listeners. It's like whatever you have on. Yeah. <laughs> it's, just, it's however it's you like it. Hit play. Yeah. And I mean, I like 
personally, I like treble. <laughs> I like I no, I do like a little bit of treble, and I like a little bit of bass, and I and I bring down my mids, and that's just kind yeah, of the way I listen to it. But that's kind of the for only time everything, I, though. Most yeah, and it's the only isn't it? Um, I mean, unless I have a you know, like I had a oh God, I had an amazing setup in my old car. Um, I had a Bose system that had a separate woofer and so i didn't really have to play with the bass that much and it just was on it so lively so i had got a new car and i had starting to, really to lose you up. eric and you know twink hello yeah fart around with it he screwed up his eq it, settings it right. <laughs> um, well there you go car anymore i don't think he's what? hearing us either yeah we, we, we lost you what for happened? about 15 seconds am i back yeah you're back now oh weird. so i'm just gonna wrap it up because yeah, don't worry about it. That's, it's just, it that's, Skype t- that's Skype saying. Skype is like, wrap it up, anything. you guys. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, I got a poor network connection here for some reason. Uh, okay. All right. Okay. You know what? Uh, give me yeah, just you're... a sec. I might that's log okay, off bro. by we're, accident. We're... It's all right. We're wrapping up. Are you there? Okay. Yeah, yeah, I'm here. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm just going to end it. just going to end it now. So, Bye. Um, all right, guys. Well, thanks for uh, sticking around for this bonus track. I uh, appreciate you guys talking through a little bit more on all this. It was fun. Um, look forward to having you back all on real soon. Thanks for having me. Woo. <laughs> <laughs> so much enthusiasm at midnight. All right. Bye. All right. Happy thanks, everybody. <laughs> Yeah. Oh yeah, that's right. Happy film it score is, day. We're one minute away from film score, National Film Score Day. Should we stay on until it's Five, actually four, midnight? Three, yeah. Yeah, two, one. one. Can I view? His... I mean, we're close. It's <laughs> Tuesday. It's, t- it's very close. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we're almost there. Uh, okay, ten what's, seconds. What's the first Nine, track? Eight, first seven, track play? six, five. Four, three, two, one. Yay! Yeah, really. It's 12 o'clock, midnight. Happy Film Score, National Film Score Day. <laughs> Choose your first track wisely. It's going to be random. <laughs> My first track is random. Elmer Bernstein. Oh, sorry. No, Peter Bernstein, the Ewoks. Oh. <laughs> There it is. Wow. Peter Bernstein's Ewoks. <laughs> uh, the trick. Wow, that's amazing. Is well, our first track of the day. I don't even have anything random to pick. Let's yeah, see. What's... The next thing I'm going to hear is myself snoring. What does Thanks. my shuffle do? <laughs> Let's see. Oh. Ramin Javadi. I got a Game of Thrones season two.